Welcome to The Derivative by RCM Alternatives, where we dive into what makes alternative investments go, analyze the strategies of unique hedge fund managers, and chat with interesting guests from across the investment world. Happy day after James Bond Day, everyone. There were six Bond actors, I don't count the 67 Casino Royale movie in Her Majesty's Secret Service, over 60 years, and all of them were in the duty of the same majesty. Think about that. Uh, it's also one of my favorite Bond movies on Her Majesty's Secret Service, uh, along with You Only Live Twice, Spy Who Loved Me, Goldeneye, and Skyfall, picking one from each actor. Anyway, this isn't a movie pod. It's a hedge fund pod. And we've got Michael Harris from one of the best this year, Quest Partners, coming on next week uh, with Caitlin Cook and Macro Elf also getting scheduled. So go subscribe to be the first to hear from those when they drop. On to this episode where we've got Simon Ho, the founder and CEO at T3 Index, which designs unique index products like YieldVol, ETHVol, and the Equity Index Vol Tracking Index Spikes. We get into how Spikes differs from the VIX, uh, the futures options and ETFs based on Spikes, and how hard it is to compete with a new futures contract where liquidity and scale trump cost and structure until enough liquidity and scale moves over. It's a chicken or the egg problem. Send it. This episode is brought to you by RCM's... No, I'm going back into movie mode. This episode is brought to you by RCM's definitive list of the best investing movies. Blog post we did back in 2019. Go Google that, definitive list, best investing movies, and let us know if you agree or don't with the list. And now, back to the show. All right, Simon, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you for having me. No worries. And where are you? Lovely Australia? Yes, I'm based in Sydney, Australia. So yeah, I'm it doesn't... You, you didn't give me the background. I want to see the ocean or some. <laughs> I thought that'd nice. be a bit corny. <laughs> it would, but uh where in Sydney, right right downtown. I only know like Manly Beach and downtown. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, so I live at Manly. So oh, nice. yeah, yeah, it's a nice little spot. Yeah. It's only about twenty paces from the beach, um, and it's probably one of Australia's best beaches, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I got to get back. I was out there, did Surfers Paradise, uh, Fremantle, wow. and Sydney. So I I need to do Melbourne still, and some of the some of the rest of it, and New Zealand. Never done New Zealand, so. Oh yeah, I'll New Zealand's back. awesome. I know. I I suspect. Um, so have you on i'm going to talk about spikes but give us a little background we were talking offline you've been doing all sorts of vol since the mid 90s so kind of where'd you get your start in the vol space and how's how's it evolved over the years yeah sure so um i i fell in love when i first saw people doing fx options trading because i thought wow you can actually trade volatility this is a, a new dimension that i didn't even think about you know and so that really um pushed me to sort of delve into it a little bit more um, directly. And, and so then where, as you were a trader somewhere or where, where did you see that? Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Um, so I do it was doing an intern um, with a bank in Sydney um, mm. and it was JP Morgan. And um, that's where I got exposure to the concept of trading volatility as an asset class. And, and I thought it was freakishly interesting. And frankly, I still feel that way today, to be honest with you. I, I think it's probably the only thing that I really ever want to do is to be involved in this kind of um, stuff. Uh, and so they were traders at the bank, trading on the bank desk, doing vol hedging or 
outright trying to make money for the a, a prop desk or whatnot? Okay, so initially um, I came on as a trainee, wanted to work on the FX options desk, but Sydney, the Sydney office didn't have the ability for me to fill such a role. So they moved me to Singapore, which was the hub at that time for um, JP Morgan uh, in Asia. And so that's where I cut my teeth, so to speak, uh, when it comes to volatility. So ultimately, I ended up um, running that that, um, business for some time, Uh, moved to Merrill Lynch in New York, because I I, I am also enamored with New York, and I loved it. And so I thought, oh, well, given opportunity to go there I, uh, why not so so did that also then moved to London um, for a little while to work for Goldman Sachs where um, I was in charge of the FX options um, for a while um, and then from there we sort of stepped out so now we're sort of getting into the 2000s and um, I was no longer we, I'd done a lot of what I wanted to do in the FX options trading space and so we then um, changed tact somewhat and we started to think about so I've got, I've got a very good team who are, there are some people here who are just ridiculously intelligent. And so we wanted to put our minds towards creating new, better instruments for the market uh, to use. And so, for example, that's that was the genesis for the creation of Spikes. So I had been trading prior to Spikes' um, arrival. Um, I'd been a, a longtime trader of VIX, um, VIX products. Um, and I thought it was the bee's knees. I thought it was fantastic. You know, this is the best thing you could possibly do. Um, all, over time, we decided that, well, why don't we do a version of our own? Because there are, from our point of view, at least, there are some shortcomings that could be addressed. Um, and we we kind of felt that it was a bit like the Pepsi to the Coke. You know, well, why couldn't you have something that was a competitor to that rather than it being the sole provider of volatility um, um, derivatives so that's where we yeah that's where we spent a lot of our time and we wanted to refine it and we wanted to make improvements um in the way that it was crafted and i think we achieved that um do you ever lament that there wasn't like a vix type product on fx right so you had to trade the actual instruments to get the volatility exposure in the fx contracts yeah actually we did. There, there were. You kind of create products. a synthetic one for lack yes, of a better word. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, we would obviously have to figure out what the hedge would be, but effectively we we could offer those those types of things to clients. Now it's a bit different in that one's a listed product and therefore that attracts uh, sort of greater volume, whereas these other ones are a bit more ad hoc, you know, and they're, de- they're de- designer things because someone might want a knockout at a particular level or something like that. So uh, the FX stuff that we did was certainly much more modular than it, it is in uh, in the listed space. Yeah, that's a whole nother world. We'll leave for another time, but of the knock-ins and knockouts, especially over in Asia. And uh, mm. what I'll just quickly ask you of what your view is, is that a big uh, outlier possible event, downside event waiting to happen when a lot of those, right? You hear some people say like there's huge, if some of these knockouts get hit, you're going to have huge selling out of Asia. Other people are saying it's the banks have it hedged. It's fine. It's not going to be a big problem. Uh, so yeah, curious on your views of that, even though we're going on a bit of a tangent. <laughs> well, no, no, that, that's all right. I mean, you, you're yeah. you're digging into some pretty interesting stuff. Um, so the the I had um there is a very massive customer in Singapore who will not be named. Um, but they they that we did a, a pretty big trade for them. Um, and thankfully it sort of turned out all right. But that was something that actually was quite scary because the the size of the thing was pretty massive. Um, and as you as you pointed out 
there are knockouts and stuff. And in this particular instance that I'm talking about, there was a very big knockout. And um, ultimately, it did get knocked out. And of course, at that point, you've got to scramble to get all sorts of hedges together. I mean, you're doing it prior to that. Obviously, you know, yeah. we're aware that something like this can happen. So, but it's just one of those things where you typically you hope it doesn't happen. Um, obviously, it depends which side of the trade you're on. But um, no, that was kind of some of the more hairy things that you could, could get in the OTC space um, that you were referring to, you know, th yeah. these are quite difficult to manage. They're basically massively short gamma. So as it gets closer to that knockout, they have to scramble to hedge it more and more. Exactly. Yes. Um, and then I always get confused. Is the bank short the gamma or the client? Oh, it depends which, which, yeah, it depends. which way they go. Yeah. The bank's probably the both. They no, Whatever they want to sell, whatever the clients want to buy, they'll take the other side. Exactly. Um, and then you mentioned all those wonderful places. So which which was your favorite? Sydney, Singapore, New York, London? Uh, you know, each one of them has their own charm. Like when I went to Singapore, I was adamant that I oh no, Singapore's not that great, but I had a really good time there, to be honest. I mean, it was it's it was very good. And frankly, that's where I cut my teeth trading options. Um, and that's where I learned a lot. So I, I really did appreciate that opportunity. Um, I I, I really I, look, I enjoyed JP Morgan as well, very good, good organization, but I think. Um, the best fun that I had, I suppose, um, was probably at Goldman Sachs in London. I, 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 the team there was extremely good, and I, I learned quite a lot from them. Uh, did you run into Charlie Magara over there? I think he, he was London Goldman, head of commodities around the same time. Ah, right. Yes, yes, yes. So I, I know been, his name, but yeah. I might be mispronouncing it. He was here on the pod. And then whenever I have a Goldman person on, former Goldman, I ask him, are you which camp are you in? It was, it's an okay company or the vampire squid just make money at <laughs> no matter the consequences, right? Which has been portrayed in the media. It's like, <clears throat> they'll do anything to make a buck. No, I, I certainly did not have that experience. I, I can yeah. tell you that for sure. Um, we had a, frankly, a crack team. I think that everybody had a, a very good role to play and it was very synergistic. Um, and, yeah, I, I, no, there's, there was, I, could, I couldn't fault it. No, and I, I didn't buy into that squid thing. I didn't see anything that was, you know, odd or that different. Um, I felt like um, the caliber of the folks there was was very high and, and that rubbed off on everybody. So I think it was very positive. So then you start moving into offering some of your volatility expertise to some different hedge funds. Yes, exactly. So what we wanted to do is um, expand uh, the realm of, of, of our activity. And um, one of those things was to help uh, hedge funds to either generate alpha, that's one thing. And the other thing that was a byproduct of that as well was actually to then start thinking about doing tail risk hedging. So obviously a little bit, they're, they're, they're different cohorts, um, but nevertheless, uh, we ended up doing both of them. So now it wasn't hugely long lived because um, markets started to simmer down. And, and um, from that point on, you know, these things, earthquakes don't happen all that often. And so you have to wait for the, for the specific period. And so we did very well for our clients, but from there uh, was then we, we started turning our attention towards the creation of these new indices. And that was post uh, internet bust or post financial crisis? Like Ooh, when, when people were wanting yeah. this tail risk and stuff. Yeah. So certainly after 2008, 
And then yeah. we were we were we were very well versed uh, when it actually happened in sort of 2018, for example, yeah. when when that when that you know disaster happened. So, yeah. But that's interesting always to me, right? Everyone rushed in after the storm, wanted all these products, and then spent two three years with the exposure, and then started to give up, right? And Calpers mm. famously here in the U.S. right before COVID got rid of their yes. tail protection. Yes. So, yeah, what? How do you view that of people that's just human nature or you think there's problems inherent in the products that they're investing in that doesn't allow them to stick with them? Oh, that's that's yeah. a vexing <laughs> vexing question. Yeah. Um, no so easy answer to that. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I think um, there are certain strategies that one can deploy. We have one in particular that we kind of like, um, but obviously it's not, you, you're not going to have the same remedy for everything right but by, by, by definition you're going to have to sort of tailor it to some degree um so yeah so we did that and um it worked out pretty well very well for us a couple of times already um so but again it's a sort of thing that it's not like i would necessarily go to that if the circumstances were not warranting it if you know what i mean but yeah so we 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 actually were the, some of the proponents in involved in the one by two strategies and um those were particularly good and the timing as it happened was particularly good dig, what a, dig into the one by two strategies for the listeners in case i don't know what that means sure so it's it's a it's a strategy that is designed to um help with this tail risk um events um i.e a very large screaming high uh VIX slash spike price. So um, if volatility is rising a lot, what you can do, if you're if you're expecting that to happen, you could sell one option and buy two options. So effectively, what you're trying to do here is to um, not bleed away too much carry. But if something were to happen, you end up net, uh, you end up net long one volatility. Obviously, you would do more than just one, but like this is yeah, just yeah. A, for in this scenario um, work basis, um, and then you end up with effectively blue sky. And then you have to just make a decision as to when you think you're going to get out because obviously it doesn't go up forever. So that's the kind of strategy that we've employed um, pretty well over the past couple of years. And what, what my naively, I'm like, why not just buy the one contract then instead of doing the spread? Oh, but well, the because answer then, would be because 90% of the time the, you don't get to the other two. Right? Exactly. That's exactly yeah. right. So that's why you, you put that program together and it it means that you're not going to get as hurt um from the, the decay and all that kind of stuff um if, if if you do it in that fashion and you have you seen that generally be uh at zero cost or it's a slight cost what's the carry been on that trade uh yeah so it, it's typically around zero um it depends on how aggressive you are at the beginning like how how you want to stack it so, you know, yeah. some people are, it's typically it's one by two, um, but, you know, you can always change those ratios and, you know, define it a little bit more based on what your thoughts may be. But typically it's it's one by two. And then the danger is you're kind of short the belly, right? If it rallies above the short strike, but not enough to spike the, the long strikes. Right. Exactly. That's yeah. right. We mentioned spikes. Let's dig into the spikes index and what you've done there. And, it, and I saw you do VIX slash spikes. That's going to be hard for me. So I'll, I'll try and <laughs> stick on spikes here instead of VIX. But let, okay. let's start there. Like everyone thinks of VIX as this thing that, you know, came out of the earth. And it's just a thing that is 
in the market, but it's an actual trademarked name, right? Like it's yes. not, yeah. yeah. So it's not, people have it synonymous with volatility, but it's actually just a product that measures volatility. So yes. it's Coke and you're saying, hey, here's Pepsi. Yeah, exactly. That was kind of the, you know, banal rationale for it. I mean, it, it's it's not going to necessarily be like that. But when when we were thinking about it, you know, as I said, I, I had been a, a long time trader of VIX anyway, just because I love this dimension of volatility. You know, I, I, I can't get enough of it. And so we kind of thought, well, maybe there are certain things that we can improve upon on this. Now, clearly, you know, VIX is a fantastic brand. It's been around for a long time. And so as the second comer, you're obviously you've got a lot more barriers to entry because, you know, people know the product um, and they're comfortable with it. And so it's quite difficult for us. And that's hence why I refer to it, the Pepsi and the Coke, um, because they're both kind of very similar, but, you know, people have preferences for one or the other. So we decided that we would go ahead and try and improve upon things. So for example, um, uh, VIX has in the past had some issues whereby if, on the continuum of all of the strikes, and they're usually about 200 strikes or so that go into making um, the, the, the index. <clears throat> and if you're missing one single option, then you have a bit of a break. You, you can't actually publish the value. So we addressed for that. And so ever since 2017, when we went live, there has not been a single moment in time where our index hasn't been up. Whereas occasionally that happens in the VIX. Now, I'm not poo-pooing the VIX here. I'm just simply casting yeah, yeah. one against the other. And we obviously have the benefit of hindsight too, right? So yeah. you know, when they did it. So, um, <clears throat> so and that what does was that look like? Th There's 200 strikes and it's the 30 delta right it's basically some out of the money thing that nobody has traded there so there's no price for it exactly that's right and, and um, that can happen quite regularly. yeah it seems hard to believe on the spx of like no what isn't everyone in the world trading all the strikes but i guess not <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah look i'm sure that they've put things in place to remedy that kind of stuff but you know certainly when we were thinking about it originally you know that that was the case and frankly as i said you know um it still does happen uh, it happens at, at a lower frequency these days than it did but um for for a time it it used to quite regularly so that was a shortcoming. And what we did then is we, we created a, a new mathematical um, device, which basically enabled us to do it without having any such things. And as I said, since 2017, it has been a, a smooth sailing the whole time. So that has been something that has been pretty good. And the other thing about it too, is it enabled us to um, calculate or disseminate the prices of our spikes index um, at 100 millisecond intervals, whereas it's 15 seconds in VIX. Now that's a gargantuan different in, a difference, yeah. right? Um, now you might just say, well, I can't really use that, but frankly, some people can. Be, there must be high frequency folks who would like to look at that kind of stuff, right? So we wanted to do things to try and differentiate ourselves, obviously, from VIX. But also, you know, the, the good parts of VIX, you know, obviously we try to replicate and do um, as, at least as well, if not better. 100 milliseconds. What that's a thousandth of a second or no a yes. hundred milliseconds or it's yeah, yeah a tenth of a second um someone someone can put us in the comments to check our math i, I yes, don't know yes. if i know how to how time math works yeah improving that we're not high frequency traders where that would be right in our lingo right um yeah and so going back to just the calculation and it Right. If, if those can have a missing print and not print the VIX, can't you also, if it's super thin in some of those strikes, right, people could game the 
game the index calculation? Ah, okay. And, I'm very glad you asked that. And yeah, and how do you guys that. handle that? Yeah, so so basically, <clears throat> we created the new math that I was talking about there, um, and which basically means that the last price is the most important price. If there is some movement, then you'll move to the new one. But so what that means is that we are never vulnerable to the fact, yeah, uh, that. Um, there's always options that are there to complete that entire uh, spectrum of things. So we never have an outage because we always have those uh, have those um, have those options available. Now, um, another thing also is that it's a hundred milliseconds. I'm so sorry. That's um, that was my my bad. So that's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. actually printed printed at a hundred millisecond at increments. So <clears throat> yeah. So basically, we have this thing um, called price dragging, and if there is no update in one of the options, let's say, you know, 200 plus options that go into this, then you would leave it alone. And only if it go, if it is actually higher or lower, would we then change it. And that gives us um, the, I guess, the bedrock for this thing not blowing up or not, or not, or not giving the, the, the correct values, essentially. That makes sense. Um, yeah, like in sort of a weighted average of those. So the newest price takes is weighted in or it has full priority over the past prices? It does have full priority yeah. only until the prices the price has moved higher or lower, in which case then that becomes the, the latest point that will be consumed uh, in the index. Got it. So we've got the uh, the math for missing option prices. We've got the time is better. What else separates it? Well, um, from a from a a pricing point of view, um, we have been offering for the longest time um, zero clearing fees. Now that's that's pretty amazing, um, especially when you consider that VIX is a very high priced yeah. product, right? We it's should one of back, the let's price. back up a real quick second. So the spikes index lives on its own. It's calculated every day by an index provider, right? And then there's now futures on the spike index, right? Correct. So we're talking right. two separate things. There's the index itself and then futures, spikes, futures. Um, yes. which is MIAX, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, so MIAX so is the exchange that we work with. <clears throat> and um, MIAX, excuse me. Yes. Yeah. Yep. No problem. Um, and so, yeah, I mean. That, that's... So you're saying in the pricing wise, the index pricing doesn't matter. Index is an index, but you can't trade the VIX anyway. So there's no pricing on the index. The futures is where the pricing comes in. So, course, yes. um, so no clearing fees for now, no exchange fees, I would call them. Mm -hmm. uh, and then eventually that'll change as it gets more popular. But the goal would be for them to keep it below the the SIBO, I guess. Yeah, I mean, um, as, as the second comer to the market, as we took, we spoke about earlier, um, they have a branding advantage because they've been doing the thing longer, right? Um, yeah. So, so there's that. We we um, we need to we need to impress upon people that we have something here that is equivalent or better than that which exists today. And so um, there are a number of features um, that we have that will actually answer that question. And so um, we we are at the moment we're doing it with zero fees because obviously we're trying to attract people to come in. Um, but one thing that the, the customers or the people who are listening here should should know is that the correlation between spikes and VIX is ninety nine point nine percent correlated. 
So effectively, they are the same thing. Um, but obviously, because we're a second mover, uh, we need to prove to people that this thing actually does what it says, despite the fact that it's 99.9%, yeah. people need to see that for themselves. And how do you achieve that without replicating exactly what they're doing? How are you achieving that versus what they're doing? Is, from my understanding, SPX versus SPY. It, it, that's exactly what I was just going to say. Yeah. So okay, essentially, yeah. one is on SPY vol, one is on SPX vol, but ultimately, the, again, the correlation between those two is extraordinarily high, and so yeah. that that gives us this ninety nine point nine percent relationship that we have between spikes and VIX uh, derivatives. And so it's still on the same whatever two hundred strikes or whatever that formula is for calculating which strikes to consider, but yeah, on the, SPY the, instead of SPX. Exactly. The methodology there is, is is somewhat different because, you know, the the sizes are slightly different, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, you're talking about minute difference. Yeah. And would that even be possible if ETFs weren't so popular, right? If the if SPY was only 15 million or something and had a big bid ask spread and no options activity, right? It'd be. Yeah. Clearly that, that would, that would cut us at the knees. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's yeah. I mean, you need, you need a, you need a, a, a big, um, slew of options in order to be able to get a really reliable value for the picks and the spikes. So I'll back up a little. Like a lot of people are upset with volatility, long volatility this year, right? Because there's been this, the market's down 20%. Volatility hasn't really moved. It's been rather stagnant. Um, a couple of brief spikes, but a lot of, right? It hasn't sold off heavily and it hasn't spike really so yeah. part of me is like oh these guys have figured that out they're going to go with like fixed strike vol instead of you know floating vol so just how do you think about that what would you say to those people are like vol's not working and why didn't right why isn't spike set why didn't it go up 30 percent today or yesterday when the fed announced how do you kind of just view vol in general as this year not working quote unquote yeah, so I, I wouldn't categorize it as not working, but I, I, I definitely understand what, what you're saying. <clears throat> it is very peculiar. I think anybody who's a volatility watcher is quite uh, stunned by what's going on, right? Because you think, well, I mean, the inflation is going through the roof, you know, interest rates are, are skyrocketing. And I think part of the reason for this is because we are talking about a different asset class. Now, it, it may not be the world's best answer, but if you try and dissect it, all of the action right now is in interest. Uh, sorry, uh, is in the interest rate market sphere, right? And so there, to some extent, VIX is kind of and spikes is on its own for the moment, right? And and I think that's probably what's happening. It is very unusual. I I, I agree with you with particularly with all the stuff that's going on and, and and the the extent of the rate rises and stuff that is going on and uh, and the amount of inflation that there is. Um, it's just it's a little bit. Uh, beguiling, but I have to say that it does kind of make sense because I think people's eyes and ears right now are focused on interest rate sensitive things as opposed to stocks. I obviously, as a long time VIX trader and 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 everybody on this on this um, podcast is, um, you know, it, it normally doesn't behave like this. You know, if you're if you're getting interest rate moves like that, typically you'll find that uh, you know volatility will be rising as well um, on, on on equities, and that just hasn't happened. I think people are just focused on the bigger issue right now, which is inflation uh, and rising rates. Well, I think the spikes has a good name for that, right? Because people equate the VIX to oh, it should go up when the market goes down, whereas spikes is a better name, connotating like no, this is for 
I would say spikes down, right? In the yes. S&P, not just down, down for spikes. Yes. Down. And I've always, I heard someone say like, think of volatility as the, right? You're on the ship with the radar screen and okay, here's a couple enemy ships that just pop onto the screen Bing, and you get that ping. That's the yes. volatility spike. If they stay on the screen, you're not getting the big ping anymore. You already know they're there. So it's kind of yes. like it only spikes when a new enemy comes into the radar screen. So once yeah, we know yeah. all this stuff, we the Fed's telegraphing, they're going to raise rates, you know, everything, all that comes together to be like, well, yeah, the market's going up and down, but a spike's value of X, which I got to ask you that in a second, but I'm going to say, right, a VIX of 30 means we're going to have these 1.3% moves a day or whatever, and that's what we're, mm -hmm. we're getting. So. From that same yeah. point, I can argue you like it's doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah, it, I, I agree with you 100%. A lot of people <coughs> often say, oh, look, you know, spikes or the VIX, they're broken or whatever. That's that's not the case. I mean, it's just it's a function of what's the most critical thing to think about right now. And and certainly for, for us in the equity world, it's it's simply not equities, <laughs> as you say. You know, people are... Uh, definitely focused more on the interest rate side of things just because of where we are in the business cycle. So, yeah, but it, it, it will it will certainly revert. It's not like uh, VIX and spikes is going to disappear at any time because these have fantastic utility and people are going to continue to want to trade them, obviously, because it, it hedges extremely well when it comes to equities. Uh, and then talk about what's the pricing, not the pricing, but the value. So a, a VIX of 30, is spikes going to be 30 or 30.01 or what does that look like? Oh well, um, as I mentioned earlier, like it's it's ninety nine point nine percent correlated. So the yeah, prices but the moves of, are correlated, but even the price itself is kind of a mirror image. Very very close. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah. Right, because it so almost the, the, has to be because that's that's a volatility reading. So you can't. It couldn't be three, right? It's got to be three. No. No. Exactly. Got it. They're going. They're going to be very close, pretty much all the time. Now, there, there are peculiar moments <clears throat> where SPY has a dividend. And so sometimes um, when you're going to expire on this particular date, for example, you know, it can be slightly different. But for the most part, as I said, when you look at the, the values of spikes and VIX over time, 99.9% .9 correlated to one another. But there are obviously immediate points that where, where, there, where there will be differences, but they're, they're not very long lived and um, they're not hugely meaningful. Yeah. And then are there already options on the futures as well? Um, there are options. Um, we are trying to do a lot to um, improve the liquidity of that and to also make people more aware because as, as the second mover, uh, we need to sort of make sure that the, the clientele uh, that's working with us uh, understands all of the things that are going on. Yeah. yeah. And then there's an ETF with using these two already, right? Convexity shares. Yes, that's right. So um, happily on the 16th of August, we launched uh, two ETFs. One is a one times, so no no leverage, and one is a 1.5 times. Um, and so we, uh, we're we really excited about that. Um, we have some very, very good plans, and um, we think that this will be an integral part of the um, ETF, volatility ETF space. Uh, no short ETFs yet? No, we made a conscious decision not to do that. So okay. um, uh, yeah, I've, I've been trading volatility for a long, long time. And uh, it just seemed to me that, especially when it was cemented by the 2018 uh, debacle, yeah. it, it just, for us, it's um, it's got too much risk 
from from so many points of view, right? It, it's it's the risk of your um, if this thing blows up, it's it's terrible for you. Now it's ironic because obviously those the the, the two scariest funds have actually returned, right? And ultimately, yeah, I mean that's always a challenge. If you're short volatility or if you're leveraged, if something big happens, well you know, that's going to have a fairly massive impact. So we, we, we deliberately stepped away from doing those things uh, and rather, you know, um, focus on, you know, the one and the one and a yeah. half times. It's almost like a philosophical existential question. Can you have the long without the short, right? Do you need the the dark side to go with the light side <laughs> of the force there, right? Like yeah. if you don't have these huge sellers, is it going to spike? Um, but in your case, it doesn't necessarily matter because uh, it's just tracking the SPY. But that leads to my other question. Like you mentioned 2018. Do you think at that time the the tail was wagging the dog, right? Like we got this big move in VIX. Some people were saying the settlement got gamed. We'll leave that be. But right, was S&P was following what the VIX was doing when by calculation, it should be the other way around. So just how do you think about that whole dynamic of can can the derivative of the thing get bigger than the thing itself? <laughs> yeah, you know, that period of time just before, you know, in 2018, when just before everything blew up, it became obvious to us, and it wasn't just us, I think the whole world pretty much knew what was going on, but three or four days, I believe, beforehand, we knew that this was going to get out of out of control. And so um, it's one of those things where, you know, they, 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 as I mentioned earlier, and as everybody knows, these have been reinstated. And I mean, hate to say it, but ultimately it's going to do it again, right? I mean, it's just, it's you're waiting for it to happen almost, but it's a matter of how much you can squeeze out of it before that happens, because everybody knows what happens in this, in this type of instance. You, it's just, um, it's a virtuous, no, no a negatively virtuous um, cycle, but well, it's a bad cycle because basically um, once you have something that's not quite right, or looking dangerous, then everybody kind of, it's, it's like everybody who's trying to get out of the door at exactly the same time. And, and that's yeah. what happens with those kinds of funds. But what do, what do you see the problem there that they're short and as the market goes down, they have to uh, sell more to rebalance into their, yeah. Yes, exactly. So it just, it feeds on itself. Yeah. And then e even on the other side, right? Like Credit Suisse terminated the TVIX mm -hmm. because I think they got spooked, right? It, they had the, the uh, COVID spike, I can't remember what the numbers were, but I think there was 80 billion or some, right? The the amount of assets that, and it was an ETN, it was their note. Yes. So the the note was larger than the bank itself. Yeah, exactly. Which is, which is another cautionary tale as to why we chose to take these much sort of um, more considerate, considerate um, I guess, levels um, and risk profile, because it's just not worth it. Um, you know, Look, some people, they're, obviously, they're back out there, right? And so people want these products and they are loved by many people. Uh, people just, the, the, the investors just have to be aware that at some point in time, this thing is, you know, going to do what it did before. Uh, it just depends on what the catalyst is and how long it takes for that to um, show yeah. itself. And it could be one year, five years, 10 years. Yeah, exactly. So you're you technically work for T3 indexes, yes, um, correct. But then you've just done deals with MyX, deals with what's the uh, ETF again? Convexity shares. 
Yeah, so convection. So how does that work? Is it all three combined in there, or um, they're separate companies and you're kind of advising for them? Um, I think the latter. So, so yes, um, we are. So, MyX um, and T3 uh, put a joint venture together for for the ETFs. Um, we work very closely on a number of things. Um, T3 Index is the company that I run, and we are working on some other products as well, um, which which we are going to um, work with MyX on uh, too. So, for example, we created the first ever Bitvol. Um, con derivative contract, and that has actually traded OTC. We also have a, uh, an ETHVOL index. Um, if you and your um, listeners would like to see, you can go to see a lot of the stuff that we do um, on our website called t3index.com, um, and you'll see the ETHVOL contract and so on. So we're trying to commercialize those things um, going yeah. forward. What What um, are those priced at? Right. What's the ETHVOL, 80 or something? Well, let me just get it. I'm going to get it up on my computer. So um, T3. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> so if you type in t3index.com, you'll find it as well under the indices tab. Um, and let's just go to crypto. All right. So now you click on here. It, um, the vault is actually... Bitvol today is really relatively low. It's only 75 vol. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you can get a sense of um, kind of what it looks like, but um, certainly had a lot of interest. A lot of people sort of um, not, it hasn't traded a lot. It has traded a few times, but um, it, there's more and more interest. And, but also this, this crypto winter, winter didn't help anybody either. Yeah, but oh, I'm on the web. So it spiked up to 108 at 75, pretty kind of looks like it stays around 75. Yeah, I think that's more recently, but prior to that, you know, it, it was. Oh, I see it here. Was yeah, March volatile. of 2020, 190. Yes, exactly. exactly. And that's why I mentioned. And of 21, this, 160. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So this thing's incredibly volatile. And also on that website, you'll also see uh, skew indices that we have. Um, that people like to see those. We have a vol of uh, spikes, a V spikes index as well that people can look at, which is, I guess, a corollary of the. Um, of the of the VIX version, but um, ours is on spikes, obviously. Um, so yeah, there's there's quite a few things on there, and um, that you can look at. What's the seven day spikes? So we have that just as an index that's not tradable at this point. So we we're sort of thinking about. We have a lot of other things on our plate at the moment, but that's one thing where we created the index. It's out there; people can see it, but it's not yet a tradable um, thing. And then talk. You mentioned skew index. So, talk to me a little about skew. I think it's pretty widely misunderstood by people of whether it's an indicator of bullishness or bearishness. Do you have any views on that? Uh, so, well, technically, that's not. Yeah, that, that's that's not the way I guess it should be viewed. Basically, you're looking at the skewness of the distribution. Uh, that comes with having a, a volatility index like this, and so. That's giving you insight in, into, you know, the left side of the tail, the right side of the tail, and that can give you some cues. Now, I'm not saying that this thing is something that people would use necessarily, but it gives you extra context around the shape of the distribution at any point in time. And so I think that in and of itself is, is worthy um, for people to look at because that gives them some insight as to what the distribution looks like at this particular point. But in most cases, it's skewed towards the puts, right? People want yes. the protection more than the upside. Talk a little bit. A lot of people complain about the VIX futures 
that basically getting in and out and the contract size is too large, right? If it's $50, I believe both sides. So what is the, do you have the same multiplier there? What's the multiplier on the MyX features? Yeah, so so those standard things are consistent with one another uh, between the two. Um, but we are making a number of changes uh, that will, I think, um, uh, be very welcomed by the community, the trading community. Um, can't reveal it all just yet. I, I know that I'm hanging. Yeah, I'm yeah give us a something. teaser. Right. <laughs> teaser. But look, we, we hope to remedy the issue that you just raised. Um, yeah. And I think that, um, so the minimum tick is actually 0.01 um, on Spike's Futures. Oh, wow. There you go. There you go. <laughs> right. right. Versus, I guess it's uh, five. Matt, what is it on fixed Futures? Oh, five. Right. Um, so five versus one. So it'll be, in theory, that's whatever that is. Mm. Uh, and uh, you can, you can five see Five times it's... more efficient. Yes, absolutely. And I think that that's going to make a, a big difference. And as you can see, it's public as of right now. So you, you have the scoop, the skinny. We got the scoop. Breaking news here on the derivative. <laughs> My X moving to 0.01. Uh, and then like, what kind of, do you guys do any research of like, how do these new futures contracts make it? A lot of them don't make it. Um, and you just said, hey, we're going to, we got to give it a shot. We believe in this. Right. Because I think a lot of people would look like, oh, I can't. Right. If you're trying to create a new euro dollar future, like forget it. It's just it's entrenched. You never get there. And there have been a lot of people who've tried right, to compete with the CME on this. And um, mm -hmm. so just what are your views overall of like trying to take down the 300 pound gorilla? Yeah, so that is a really vexing question. It's it's very difficult to take over an incumbent, especially someone, as you mentioned, CME, for example, if you're trying to look at their euro dollar the futures and whatnot, how are you going to break into that? Because everybody <clears throat> understands it. It's been around for forever. You know, so it's very difficult to dislodge things. However, it's not impossible. And I think that we are making incremental uh, gains um, with our product, with Spike versus uh, to fix, <clears throat> and um, we we certainly have the belief uh, um, that that we we can do it. And uh, we've got you have to think outside the box. That, that's the real problem, yeah. not not the problem, but that's the real uh, barrier to entry because you can't simply make a facsimile of something else and and hope that you know um, that cost alone will be the driver for them to move from one to the other. Yeah. So that's not going to happen. Um, but as I said, I mean, we're not going to reveal all of the secret sauce, but you know, we are certainly mindful of the fact that we need to differentiate in order to get people to to move across to us and to have a reason to want to move. Yeah, and it's like a multi-layered problem, right? Because it's not just having the better product. You have to have the liquidity, right? Because right. even yeah, I could be like, I love this product. This thing's better. All the terms are better, but I can't go there as a billion-dollar hedge fund until there's enough size to support my trading. So it's like a chicken or the egg of like, how do you get the, yeah. how do you get the liquidity in order to get the liquidity? Exactly, and the chicken and the egg is the thing that is probably most uh, bandied around in MyX <laughs> because obviously you know, we come yeah. up against giants, and so we need to be smarter about what it is that we do and um, the offering that we can give to clients so that they want to make the move to, to make the shift. So, um, look, we're confident about it. Um, the the MyX team are, are fantastic, and you know they're um, we're putting our heart and soul into to making things better.
wanted to ask you, Simon, the past couple of days, right? We've had the Fed announcement. We were going down to new lows today. Um, how has it reacted? Has this been kind of the first stress test of some kind of really volatile intraday markets? Uh, and has it been okay? Everything working as is, as should be? Yeah, so um, as we mentioned earlier in the conversation, we were talking about um, the robustness of spikes of the spikes index. And as we mentioned there, since 2017, we have had absolutely no um, no issues with it whatsoever in terms of printing and having the right values. And so um, I, I thought I'd bring it to to your mind that um, today yeah, in you particular- got, You sent me a chart I'll pull up while you're talking about. Yeah, sure. So in this case here, you know, we had a Fed event and that led to a rise in, in volatility for right, this sort of only momentarily, but that's what we can see here on the screen. Um, and the difference between the two uh, in this particular instance there, you can see that spikes registered a value of 27 whereas VIX was 30.18. Now, and, um, and spikes, for those who can see this, um, is the orange there? Exactly. And so you can see here that it doesn't quite look right, you know, and, and the thing spiked and then, uh, no pun intended, and then it came back down straight away. So it's one of those things that I think really showcases the um, the strength of the actual index and the robustness of it. And, and as I said, since 2017, we've never had a single millisecond uh, of outage. Yeah. But in my brain goes to well, like no, it's you want it to spike. It's the fix. But if it's not real, yeah, yeah, I guess you don't want it to spike. Exactly. Yeah, you want to have you want to have faith in the, the the metrics that you're getting. You know, so just because it's a higher level doesn't doesn't mean anything. I mean, it could it more than likely means that it's not quite right. You know, so that's something that we need to be mindful of. And this is the index itself or the futures. This is the index itself. Yeah. And so being volatility trader for all these, what are your thoughts on the rest of the year? Do we stay here around 2530? Have we moved to like a whole new regime where we're always in this higher VIX spikes? Or what are your thoughts? Oh, that's the million dollar question. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> my crystal ball uh, is that I think, well, as you mentioned um, early in, in the conversation that we had, it was peculiar. It seems quite peculiar given the, the, the lack of movement in VIX, given all of the things that are going on around us where things are imploding and exploding. Um, I don't think, well, obviously that's not going to continue. You can't have a dichotomy that's so large between those two. Eventually, you know, you're going to ha have these things normalized. I do feel as though we're not yet out of the woods. So, um, as far as my money goes, I think that um, you know, we're more likely to see the VIX rise and spikes rise rather than the other way around for the time being, at least. But just mathematically, couldn't we? Couldn't you have a scenario where the market goes down two percent a month for twenty months, right? And volatility would be next to nothing. So the spikes in that case would be quite low. Uh, I don't I don't think so, simply because, you know, if you think about the backdrop of all of the things going on around the world, like the Ukraine situation and Russia trying to blow them up and 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 oil prices and stuff, it seems like there's a heady mix and it's almost like volatility is the only thing that hasn't really ruptured yet. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think it's a situation where the VIX and spikes are going to continue to um, recede. I, I think if anything, it's got, it's likely more likely to be the other way around. But I'm just saying mathematically in the calculation, it, you could construct a scenario where the market goes down a lot and volatility oh, yes. does not move, right? 
Um, highly unlikely because you'll have people who want to buy dips and people who want to sell rallies and all that but in mathematically it's possible which i feel like is some of what's happened this year you're just mathematically the moves have been within the expected moves yeah that's at the end of the day that's the definition it's an expectation of what's going to happen and speak to Mm -hmm. that it's the same right it's the define what it's the 30-day um pricing and it's a rolling 30 days yes yes so the the mechanisms are not wildly dissimilar to the way the vix is constructed so um that's kind of nice um and but but yeah maybe just talk through that for a second because i don't think a lot of people who trade and know the vix even know how that calculation is actually done just in terms of time and uh the look look back or look forward right so so essentially if you're you're talking about the creation of uh, of the vol index. Yeah, yeah. Is that what you're talking yeah, yeah. about? Yeah, right. Yeah. So in our case, we're using SPY. Obviously, with um, with VIX, it's SPX, and those are the constituent options that go into the creation of the index level. So what happens there is you'll look at the entire skew. We 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 obviously mentioned skew earlier, so it's kind of kind of handy. Um, you look at the highest call all the way down to the highest put, or the, rather the lowest put, and yeah. then you sum you sum those things. Um, with the mathematical formula and out pops a single value, which is- But those today, are all 30 days to expiration options? Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Um, that, for whatever reason, that's that's the particular um, time frame that was used and pretty much anyone who does a volatility index these days, typically you're going to use the same thing. Right, which is interesting. Like, why did you look at that or think of that? Like, hey, what if we did a 90 days to expiration volatility yeah, so index? Or, yeah, Internally, we have done that. We've got multiple multitudes of, of uh, versions of these things. So, uh, but the problem is that people are used to the thirty-day yeah. value, and it's very hard to dislodge that. And sometimes they might say, "Well, what's the point of knowing the ninety-day?" But yes, yes, obviously, it's very easy to compute that once you have the methodology at hand. Uh, and then, right now, you want people to be able to arb between the two. And do you see any of that happening? Of like, there's potential for arb between the two. You mean between the short and the long or between? No, between spikes spikes and VIX, yeah. Um, Well, as we mentioned earlier, with that that famous 99.9% number, it's it's already there. I mean, they are effectively facsimiles of one another. um, And the only difference is, as we mentioned earlier, uh, which is just occasional, but sometimes there will be differences between uh, spikes and VIX. And that's um, because I think if I'm allowed to say, I think ours is constructed extremely well. Yeah, but they're not, they're fungible or no? Probably not. Well, it depends if you think 99.9% correlation is fungible. I, I think yeah. that's- Well, no, I mean like actually at, at the FCM level of like, okay, the, your long spikes offsets against your short picks. Oh, right. Yeah, so- uh, Right, Bert, no. like if I, yeah. in the old days, I had one- big S&P they don't offer it anymore versus five, you know, if I was long one, big S&P, short five, E-mini S&P, um, they would fungigate. Fungigate, is that the word? Um, oh, <laughs> fungible, are fungible maybe? <laughs> yes, are fungible. But you'd think that there'd be some high frequency guys or some prop firms that are like, okay, I'm right. I'm at the offer in VIX and I'm on the bid in spikes. And if I can get them to line up and I can grab a penny, um, especially with the increment change that could come into play too. Yeah, yeah. And and I also think that, well, one thing to note um, is that the OCC and MGEX have a cross-margining in the works. 
So that's really going to help us um, a lot, I think. So that's um, a very, a very good um, development for us. And I meant to ask that too. So there were, there's, there's options, but those are security or those are futures. There's options on the futures, or just securities options. Uh, yes, securities right. so options. The, got it. So just like now, if you're trading VIX options, that's a security. Mm, yeah. um, we are planning to. Um, expand um obviously I, I can't reveal anything of that at the moment but we are we are looking to expand our offering as well so it should make it easier for people perfect um all right simon uh send me an invite to come visit you and i'll, I'll be there in two minutes <laughs> especially course, with anytime. the cold coming here in chicago yeah that's that's going to be tough uh any last thoughts uh, no, look, I really appreciate the opportunity to to speak with you about this and and, and our products yeah. and, and the folks at MyX. Um, I think we're doing a really good job. And for people who don't know about Spikes and the ecosystem that we're building, um, I certainly encourage you to take a look because... Um, and yeah, will you get mad like the SIBO if people call it the Spikes Index, right? SIBO gets really mad if you call it the VIX Index. Like, no, it's just VIX. VIX no. implies it's an index. <laughs> yeah, I I could care less about that to be it's honest. It's <laughs> good because that nomenclature drives me crazy. I'm like, who cares? Yeah. Um, and then we ask all our guests. I didn't prep you for this, but you got a hottest take. Hottest take? Yeah, I know what that means. Uh, <laughs> what it... That Australian football is better than American football, or you know, something a little controversial, either Ooh. inside the volatility space or outside of it, or wherever you want to go. Oh, that's a good one. Um, you've got me on the spot here. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say that Australian beaches are better than American beaches. <laughs> it's hardly hardly contested, really, but yeah. Yeah, I would say that's pretty pretty easy. <laughs> um, yes. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time. Good talking to you, and we'll talk to you soon. Best of luck with the spikes, the spikes index, whatever you want to call it. Just call it spikes. <laughs> Thank you very much for having us. Really appreciate it. You've been listening to The Derivative. Links from this episode will be in the episode description of this channel. Follow us on Twitter at RCMAlts and visit our website to read our blog or subscribe to our newsletter at RCMAlts.com. If you liked our show, introduce a friend and show them how to subscribe. And be sure to leave comments. We'd love to hear from you. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as legal, business, investment, or tax advice. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of RCM Alternatives, their affiliates, or companies featured. Due to industry regulations, participants on this podcast are instructed not to make specific trade recommendations nor reference past or potential profits, and listeners are reminded that managed futures, commodity trading, and other alternative investments are complex and carry a risk of substantial losses. As such, they are not suitable for all investors.